Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Christmas Special. We're serving up Christmas cheer and pint glasses today, so grab some and take a sip. Sit right back and enjoy the show. Have some eggnog with a little bit of rum, not too much. Fun, enjoy yourselves. We will give you the lowdown on the lowdown. So, coming right up, it's our Christmas special. I hope you enjoy the music. We wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And oh, by the way, here's our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trab. And this is Paul. All right. Well, I thought about doing one thing, that, but you guys have kind of gone the techie route. So I'm going to go to the non-techie route. Limited omniscience. There was a lot of thought back in the 60s and 70s that there might be, especially when they were doing a lot of research into uh, psychic powers, and they thought there might be this thing called the collective unconscious, which means that everything that anybody has ever discovered or known or experienced is actually still existing in some form that could possibly be tapped uh, by someone who was sensitive to it or they had a device that could allow you to do that. So, uh, so what I'm suggesting here is not, you know, God omniscience, okay, which, you know, we're, but more along the lines of anything that you want to know, you know. Anything, you know, there's no question that cannot be answered. There, there, are, there might still be limitations within the physical laws of the universe. If you say, I want to create uh, a miniature black hole, then it may not be possible, okay? Uh, but I think that's actually possible. So it'd be kind of hard to come up with something. Um, time travel, for example, maybe that's not possible because of the whole, you know, yeah, infinite mass problem and everything else like that. So, but for example, it would cause a huge change because, first of all, you wouldn't have telepathy, but you know when somebody was lying to you. Okay, anytime someone talked to you, if they were lying, you knew it. Because if you wanted to know whether they were lying, you knew the answer. If you wanted to know how to, to do something, you would know how, but not necessarily give you the ability, the skill in doing it. It would be like, okay, I have, a, I have a, a manual of how to do this, and I can work through it and do it because I'm hooked into the collective unconsciousness, but it doesn't mean that I have, you know, I have, you know uh, I'm not Mozart. I can't create a symphony right off the start, but every, you know any qu question that has to do with a scientific principle or how a machine would need to be made to put it together to to achieve it, you'd be able to do it. You you would be able to answer such questions as is there a god and the transformation of society that would result. You would know such things as is my government actually full of crooks. And, you know, is, is this, this idea going to be a good idea or a bad idea? You know, within a certain mm -hmm. range of time. You know, is my data need harmony a, 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 a problem? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, do I have a congenital birth defect? 
And, and like I said, not like how long will I live? Like, why not? It's not well. I mean, it's not prognostication in that sense of you know your future is set. Bang bang, you're heading toward it. You can't change it or whatever. It's more along the lines of am I you know how long am I going to live if if my body's in this condition? What's my life expectancy? If I change my life, if I start doing things differently, how would that actually change? Okay. Of course, that would you know. This presumes a lot of other stuff. Where you say, well, that's assuming, of course, that I don't. There isn't such things as artificial hearts and replacement parts and cloning and stuff like that. Oh, I know how to do that too. Or someone else who's more interested in going down that route knows how to do it now, and they can start developing the actuality. I, I see that as knowledge infinite being able to transform a culture in the in whatever direction that the person wants it to go. So is it limited known knowledge? Suddenly you're, you're pulling in some future knowledge there, which does fall into prognostication, so to speak. Or is it just all known knowledge at this time? I'm assuming, see, that's, you, that's where you get to choose, okay? If you assume that there are other cultures out there, other races that might have gone before us, that they have, might have developed things like anti-gravity and other things like that. So your collective unconsciousness, which would be able to transcend space and things like that, you know, would be able to do it. But if you only limit it to just human knowledge, what's known right now, still, I mean, all of a sudden, all, all the barriers of, of, of secret research going on behind doors that nobody knows about, you would know that. You could, you know, we talk about the synthesis that happens when people from disparate backgrounds comes together and start sharing information. And people say, I don't know how to do this, but it says, well, I do. And then all of a sudden you get some amazing things happen. The whole idea of the Manhattan Project was behind that. It, it depends on how less limited you want that omniscience to be. But if it's just simply something where you can tell when someone's lying to you, uh, that would radically change society right there. Yeah, and there's no need, be no reason for secrets anymore. Why would you? Because there wouldn't you know, be secrets. Yeah, and you know every, <laughs> and you know the combination to every safe. Yeah, you know the you know how to pick a lock. Uh, the only thing you would would would, would deter you would be uh, biometric data. But then again, you already know what's back there behind the, behind the door anyway. So, well, or or there could be some kind of a time limitation. You know, where it's only open. To, you know, it's certain times of the day, and you you know you got guards that are staying there when those are open. So yeah, I mean, there's ways to get around it. You know, the the, the bank the bank vaults don't have complicated locks; they're just made out of they're just big huge pieces of metal. I think the idea of the universal morphic field, where you can dip into it and pull out information, sort of implies that yeah, there is a Q collective out there, and we're we just now figure out how to tap into the Q, and now we're the Q. Right, but you're, but but no, I'm not saying you're smarter than you are now. I'm just simply saying that you have that knowledge. In a way, you're kind of like the Kegak, where they were suddenly thrust, you know, they they were suddenly thrust into the uh, the Tamellan culture, and they had access to all these toys. But they or or the Meller, which is our better example, where they could go and they could read the mind of a and get all the skills or whatever of a Tamellan, but it wouldn't allow them to do anything really creative. They could only reproduce something that the Tamellan had already done. It could be that the, that the morphic field only applies to the plant. It doesn't go, you know. It takes, you know, the the, the light speed barrier is a, still a barrier. So yeah, but. 
you know, you get onto the platforms and you're tapping into that morphic field. Yeah. So I'm just saying, whether you use Bureau 13, and imagine in Bureau 13, all of a sudden, everybody can know spells or everybody can know, you know, whatever it is. And of course, everyone knows there's monsters everywhere. But everyone also knows that all the monsters aren't bad, but they know that some of the monsters are really, really bad. <laughs> and, and, and of course, uh, that's when. Um, Matthias Bolt goes up. Oh, I'm going to Miami for for a vacation. Bye, because everyone knows exactly who I am and what I do when I'm it's, doing. It's time to open the gates of hell. Yeah, <laughs> let's call in those markers. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. There's there's going to be a big pushback when all of a sudden everybody, you know, uh, you're you're wanting to bring you know 90 percent of the governments to, uh, into the court of law for the egregious behaviors that they're doing on a daily basis toward their own citizens. Yeah, there's going to be some problems there. Of course, now the citizens know how to build you know, easily made stamped metal weapons now. Just have they have access to the equipment. They can make Sten guns. Is it Sten guns or which which one was, Paul? Which one was made out of stamped metal? Stens were and so were the M3s, also called grease guns. But the gun most famous for making 90% of it from, from uh, metal stampings is the STG-44, the Sturmgewehr, the precursor to the Kalashnikov, a.k.a. 47. A lot of weapons. Now, everyone now knows knows how to make these things. They just need access to the equipment and a few tries because, like you said, you may have the knowledge, you don't have the skill. So at a governmental level, uh, the the high-level thing, you're going to have a whole lot of governments that know that all the other governments are engaging in violations of all the treaties and that there's all these bad loopholes and things like that. So if they can keep from basically invading each other, they could then work. They could actually sit down and hammer out decent agreements that everybody could abide with, because they would now all be based on the truth with a capital T versus the you know the, the truth that that was obfuscated by uh, our ability to lie to each other. You couldn't lie to each other now. The stock markets go crazy because okay, one group realizes, oh, I know what stocks are going to grow, and they start buying them, which makes them go up. But then another group goes, it's going up too high, so I'll go. These will go up next, and all of a sudden the markets just start going, you know, no rhyme or reason because people are, because the information is changing. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if, if your stock is based upon your ability to do something, if you, you know, you'd know what were good stocks and bad stocks in the sense that they were based upon actual fiscally sound companies. And those would be the ones that everybody would want to change their uh, change their money into. So yes, all of a sudden, like I don't know, eighty percent of the stocks would drop off the boards because they weren't really worth anything, or they weren't as good of a uh, investment, let's say, as other stocks might seem to be. That removes speculation, right? But it doesn't mean that a a, a well-run company, you know, is still a a good investment, and that's ultimately what stocks were supposed to be. But it's it's speculation. Figure out who's a well-run company. Everybody, you read the perspective. Everybody's a well-run company. Yeah, but see, now that everyone knows anything that they need to know, then it's going to be a lot easier to make good decisions. Patents are shot now because everyone knows how knows every secret patent, every secret ingredient. You know what's in your drugs now. Well, patents, the whole point of patent is to, I don't want to get into this. This is a whole big thing. Uh, let's not talk about patents, okay? <laughs> trade secrets. Trade secrets are now known. And you know what's in your drugs. Well, the, yeah, trade secrets are ruined, right. Everyone knows what's, everyone knows what's the Coke secret formula. What's in, what's, in your, what's in your chicken nuggets? You know, at that point, you're like, oh, God, I'm not, I'm not eating. 
yeah, okay, that could cause some problems. And, and then you find out, even though there's 5% allowable rat dung in hot dogs, you now know how much is actually in it. In that dog in your hand. Yes. Is there really, you know, life-threatening? Well, that'd be good, though, because you know if there was life-threatening bacteria in the food that you were about to eat. Is this, is this hot dog safe for me to eat? It is. Okay. Yum, yum, yum. I'm, I'm going to join Peter on the other side of the room with what are the best of the beer recipes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a matter of taste, too. So it might be what's the best recipe for me. I'm going to follow Peter's lead. Yeah. Oh, no, that's great. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You go into the, the liquor store, right? And you go, what beer am I going to like best? Especially, like, at this moment, because that changes over time. You'd be like, what beer am I going to like best if out of all the ones here tonight? It changes the industry, though, because now people are going, wait a second, what was the best beer? And maybe some beer that was brewed 200 years ago. No, it may it may have been the best beer, and the only way to make that beer is to, is to go back to the old to the old techniques because you try when new techniques doesn't come out right, and you know that, so you have to go to the old techniques to make it again. And you know, we were talking before about like future events and stuff, and and I would I would have to agree that that future events are unpredictable or or troublesome because and maybe even if you could get a prediction on it, you don't want to rely on that because much like an electron you, you can't know how fast it's going and where it is exactly at the same time that you would create this uncertainty principle in, in, in a sense because oh i know what the future is so now i'm going to do this instead or not knowing that would i would have done other things but now that i know that i can't unknow it so you've just changed your future by knowing your future and especially if everybody is doing this you know it, it would be become too too hard to predict, I think. Future clouded, it is. Yes, and of course, and of course, the the uh, uh, the real truth about electrons and advertising—it's all about the spin. Oh, nice, nice. So this T-shirt I'm wearing was made by a ten-year-old. Yeah, I'm, take, I'm getting a T-shirt that wasn't made by a ten-year-old. You look at the racks, going, dang. They're all made by ten-year-olds. Well, and, and on the individual level, like I said, it's going to change how you date. All of a sudden, you know, what men and women are going to know, you know, uh, it's, it's going it, to... It, Divorces go up. It, it, well, the divorces are definitely going to go up, but at the same time, bad marriages are going to go down. Because you're going to know that that girl is just playing you, boy. And that guy is, really is a bad boy. He's not just somebody you can reform. You're never going to reform that guy. Well, not only that, but it takes some of the fun out of it. Does she like me? Oh, wow. She really, really likes me. So that's the one I'll go talk to. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's taken any fun out of it. Having that mystery taken away is bad how? That's the crushing despair when you walk in and you look at a hundred choices and none of them seem like the like a good one. Oh, or, or it could be that you, you go, okay, who, who's the match of my life? Bing! Oh, oh, time to hop in the webs. Uh, I need something to translate into Portuguese. Uh. <laughs> or, okay, she's perfect. i got to wait 10 years, though. She's underage. Right. Well, there's, there's, there's all kinds of permutations of that. The only reason I said that, that takes some of the fun out of it is, is that um, n knowing everything in life, um, I think, I don't know, I, I think it's... Again, it takes out, it takes out the drive to, to discover, to to build, to create, because if we already know that this is this and this, we're not going to strive to find it out. There's still things in science that we haven't found out. If we find out that we know everything, 
what's there for us to do? Well, this isn't the kind of omniscience where you know everything about everything all at the same time. Yes, but see, you're, everybody knows something different in that collective intelligence. All you need to do is just tap into that and you know it. Technically, you have the capability to know everything, just not at once. Right, but when you meet somebody, let's say a girl, okay, you're still going to go through a process of discovery. I mean, you're still going to be learning what does she like, what kind of books does she... I mean, you could just sit there and ask the questions your, to yourself if you wanted to, but more likely what would happen is that you'd first be saying, who finds me physically attractive? Oh, she does, okay. And then go over and you would intentionally not ask some questions. But instead, start saying, "Tell me about yourself," and and knowing that she's going to tell you the truth because you're going to know if she's lying. Whatever ethnic group you pertain to, ask those grandmothers, and they're going to hook you up with the right girl. Well, that would be great. I, I would prefer it over the dating uh, uh, techniques I've used in the past. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm just saying is that you know yeah it's if if you basically look around and you're just basically cataloging everybody you see then yeah, you're going to push yourself off into that island and you're, you're going to find, well, you know, you're, if you don't bring something to the table, if you don't, you know, say, hey, just being with you is going to be fun, then, you know, if, it's, if it really is all about the hunt for you, then you're, you're not going to be happy with this new omniscience. See a whole new range of drugs being produced. Yeah, I, I want to take this drug so I can turn off my omniscience for like half an hour. Just like I have some fun. That would be really useful when you were talking about the uh, girlfriend experience. Yeah, the, the creepiest new Google Glass application ever. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's funny you mention that uh, about the, the internet and such is that we essentially went from that in a lot of ways to a partial where we are now. I mean, if you think about it now, right, so think back 20 years, uh, you and a friend are sitting around talking about, um, I don't know, Pluto, and you have a question about it. Well, that question generally just didn't get answered because you would talk about it and say, oh, you have to look that up sometime, and then you don't. You completely forget. Now, you're both sitting there, and you start arguing over some some fact that you think you know or you might know, and out come the phones, and up comes the internet, and now you get your answer. In a way, we're, you know, we're, we're a couple steps towards that, and it hasn't – I don't think it's – I think it's made life better. But I would say – You can actually – you can actually run a criminal history check on the girl you just sat down to talk to. And she's doing the exact same thing, too, on you. And she, yes, she is doing the same thing to you. And that's a, and that's a good thing. And, and I was, I was going to add to that, this thing comes into play about you know going on with the internet. If this thing comes into play and people can do this, it's certainly going to change all the arguments on Facebook. You know, well, I know this and you know, you know. Uh, it would get rid of all those arguments, which would be nice, would be kind of be pleasant because you wouldn't argue over stuff that, you know, somebody would say, well, it's this way. You'd be like, look, we both know it's not. I mean, dude, we got the omniscient thing going. Take your take your trolling somewhere else. And one group would say, "Dang, I was wrong," and the other group would say, "Yeah, I told you so." Right. Of course, I think what's gonna what would, what would really a lot of what would really happen is a lot of people would be going, "Damn, I was wrong," and they're you know on both ends. What would the Republicans and the Democrats fight about? Implementation. Okay. There you go. All right. So they got something to fight about still. Good. Good. The world can still turn. <laughs> Good, good. Republicans and Democrats could still argue. Awesome. Wow, the Earth did not fall out of an axis and crash into the sun. Fantastic. And there is a universal morphic field, then yeah, you see, then that one does go take you to the next level. It's like, whoa, 
So there's other people out there. Can we talk to them? Yes, we can. We just got to build this, this, and this. We can now talk to these other people on the other side of the galaxy. Right. It may take you 20 years to get it done or 100 years to get it done because you might have to build the tools to build the tools to build the tools to build the object that you need. But, hey, it would be something to work toward. Or, or, or you find that you just went down the wrong scientific path and the materials and everything you needed was just right there in the junkyard.
All right, so moving on to our second topic. The thing I was thinking about was what we, we want to live as long as possible. The, like Kirk said, the first order of business is survival. Find something, and this would this could either be Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy, to enhance and strengthen human lifespan. Now, most likely this would be done through such things as antigeria medicine, which is medicine, either genetic treatments or whatnot, to lengthen human lifespan. Get rid of certain diseases. Um, you know, th those type of things. Things to remove cancer. Um and, and I'm not trying to belittle those who suffer from these diseases. I'm not trying to hand wave because are, there there might be some listeners out there that are going through this or they've lost. I'm not trying to, to crap on them about this. You know, cancer, AIDS, all these horrible diseases that we have that, you know, ravage our bodies. And then just, you know, our bodies naturally deteriorating that, you know, they say we, we, we die as soon as we're born. We start dying. Because our, our cells regenerate and they go through a whole new bat. We, we basically regrow ourselves, I think, every seven years, I've heard. Anyways. Well, yeah, that's our, our aging process. Our bodies just, they, they reform, they grow, they grow, they die off. And that's things how we, you know, slough off bits of skin and whatnot. To find a way to stop aging and stop disease and other maladies like that. That's easily within the Termellern scope of technology. They have, because in the, the D20 PL, PL9 is the highest you can go, unless you make it biotech, which means it's plus one level higher. So technically, PL10 is the highest you can go on that chart. To find something of that level where it can eradicate disease, hunger, thirst, aging, um, all that, that would be... Something I would feel that, you know, if the, if United were to find something like that and bring it back, I don't think there would be a person in any of the worlds in the new Commonwealth that would say no. Live forever, not have to worry about dying from some, from some disease or because my family is not fringe worthy and they don't have the access to the portals to wipe disease away, they can live forever. Sign me up. Now, Obviously, good and bad things about people living much longer or forever and not having diseases. Obviously, you know, it's the, the biggest thing. I'd like to live forever. I have an addiction to breathing. I don't really want to die anytime soon. And also, you want those around you. We, we humans are social creatures. We need that, that interaction, that human contact. That's just how we're wired. We are the only creatures that don't want to die alone. You see an animal, he'll go off and crawl off and die on his own. Not we humans. That's the last thing most of us want is to die alone and afraid. We want, you know, it's like usually when, you know, that time is coming and like, you know, the grandfather who's had five generations of progeny, he wants them all there. You know, he can say goodbye to them and see them. That's the last thing he wants to see. If we don't have to, you know, worry about the threat of death or even disease or malady, it would lengthen our lives. We could do more. We wouldn't feel so rushed. We wouldn't have that, like they said in Star Trek Generations, time being a predator and eating at us slowly. So, yeah, something like a MacGuffin that would allow those base banes of our existence to be gone, I think that would be, our, that would be the big find.
obviously there would be some bad things. If, let, let's say it's on a genetic level. Let's say we find some something, some genetic treatment or some genetic-based device, biotech or whatever, that tweaks us, that give, makes us humanity 2.0. Well, no, we're already humanity 2.0 by the late camp anyway. It'd be 3 or 4.0. Um, you know, we get rid of things like aging and disease. A bad thing would be, well, congratulations. What do you mean now this person is going to live to be 500 years old? We have to pay them how much in Social Security? But still, you would have to accommodate laws to change for the fact that people are going to be living this long. I mean, society would change. Now, whether it would stagnate or it would grow even more. It's just we run out of food. Well, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, good grief at, at doubling the population of the planet every other generation or, or you're you're running a Malthusian uh, worldview. Uh, okay, Logan's Run, where everybody lives until age 40 and then they voluntarily die. Well, hold on. I, I got a solution to this. If you have a child, you can never have this procedure done. And if you have this procedure done, you have to be sterilized. So you're making a social agreement. I get to live forever, but I don't get to contribute to the population. Uh, but what if, but what if, I hate to say this, what if the treatment includes regeneration? You can never be sterilized then. It just grows back. Well, so then you wouldn't be available for the treat. That's what I'm saying. It, that would be a balance. I mean, that's one possible balance. And, and yes, John, if you could totally regen, if that was one of the things, then yeah, you would, that would be an issue. But, you know, maybe part of this technology is knowing how to shut pits of it off. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I had the, what do we call it? What, what's the pleasant name? For, well, I can use a clinical name, vasectomy. I can't saw your children anymore. That's fine. But I already have one. I have a 20-year-old daughter, so. Well, here's, here's another uh, facet. Or you can have what they had, what Larry Niven had, which was basically you have, you have the lottery. But, yeah, because only certain people get to live. They get the right to live, and, you know, you're deciding. No, no, I'm talking about having kids. I'm not talking about living. I'm talking having kids. Oh, you have a lottery for having. Okay. Well, here's the upside to being able to live forever. I mean, there's a lot of downsides. We already know that, and we can we can go on with that if you, in, after this. But well, here's well here's an upside. Here here's one of the upsides. So one of the worst things about and and this you know I'm I know this from working at at uh, engineering companies where you have people who have mastered some really awesome skills, and I'm sure you find this in every business, but I mean it's really prevalent in ours. When somebody gets too old to do that job anymore, or they decide, well, I'm going to retire. I'm done. You know, I'm done working all this time. Um, you're losing experience. You're losing, you know, 40 years, 50 years of experience. You're, you're losing people who have skills that no one will have again for, you know, until they hit that age. And by the time they hit that age, they're gone. So you're allowing people to live forever, or or at least exceptionally long periods of time. Is maintaining skills that have been learned, um, you know. So, you know, maybe you're going to have these super great advances. You know, you'd have, you would have advances on an upswing that you never had before. You know, unprecedented advancement in society. You know, maybe we'd solve some of these problems that this would create. You know, uh, uh, overpopulation. Well, that's not a problem because this 300 year old guy who has, uh, you know who has mastered uh, all these different sciences has figured out a way to put it all together. And uh, we can now live on any planet in our solar system. 
You know what I mean? So it, it's it could be a problem that solves itself. Now, you're also assuming that immortality is physicality. It could also be you know, uploading to uploading to a machine. You basically, we solve the problem. You solve the problem of having your body wear out. You know, at least organically, you you now are in a uh, you're you're now a cybernetic creature and with no organics left. Um, maybe you know they put the brain inside the machine, and uh, as time goes on, bits get replaced, so that you know one of one of the problems I always had with the, with the upload scenario was, well, the thing is. You're just making a copy of my brain, so when I go to sleep, I'll wake up again, and I'll still be in his body, and then there'll be something, a copy living in that machine. No, I won't wake up in the machine. You have to quantify the soul. Not necessarily. I mean, if you can... Uh, I just had this discussion with my wife, uh, because if you go and you assume there's one soul per person, then what happens when you have twins? It's one egg, it's split into two people. Do each of them have half a soul? Do they each get their own soul? But I'm saying is that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna assume a metaphysical thing like a soul, I, I don't think that you should limit it to just one form of existence. But it, but then it assumes that there is no original, or there's an original, but there's 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 no difference between a copy and the original, which is which was John's thing was that everything's a copy of me. Well, what makes what makes you Better than your copy, guys. That that's a whole podcast. That's ten podcasts. That's a whole podcast show. There's there's a lot of things having to do with bioethics revolving around that, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, because that is one form of immortality is where you remove the parts that you, re you remove the what single point of failure. You can't die because there are backups. You're hooked into some kind of existence where. Um, no, nothing anybody does outside of blowing up the entire planet can actually get rid of you. So, you know, that is one form of immortality. Actually, if you want to look at exploration of immortality, uh, check out Futurescape with James Wood. They actually had an episode about immortality and what the, what, what the upsides and downsides would be of it. I think you would actually really just outlast your comfort level. That, that science and technology and culture and all of that would move beyond what you what was your cultural norm at your time and you're going to be so uncomfortable so out of place so disconnected that you don't want to exist any longer that assumes that you can't learn anymore it could be such that the process of immortality means that yeah bits of your brain get replaced with new bits of brain which means they can learn all all, all over again the big well you could you could learn it, but you're just outside of – that's just so outside of your comfort zone, so outside of your real – Everyone else is going to be the same way. It's not just you living forever. It's the entire society living forever. So it may, in some cases, it may ossify because of that. Yeah. I mean there's two ways of going about that, Paul. Either one is that you create – um, let, let's say slices of time where people, you know, it's like in hardwire hinterland where you know you've got new uh, new Pittsburgh or new old new old New York where they're all living in 1940 New York and every 10 years they set their uh, clocks back in their calendars and they relive the same decade again because they like it that way. Yeah, or you end up in a situation where I'm 300 years old. Can you remember your remember your childhood? I was a child at one time. I don't remember that. Because it's not there anymore. That memory just gone. You're you're to, you're to, you're a totally new person. 
mentally at that point. If your memory is holographic, then the the most uh, the strongest things that are important to you are get basically get laid down, and there's lots and lots of that in your mind. But the stuff that isn't important basically gets written less and less, and it gets fader, fader, and fader, more grainy until finally it will disappear, be taken over by new information that's more important to you. I guess my point is that we were just complaining a minute ago about, well, every generation says that about young people, that at some point you're going to be so profoundly out of your depth that you're going to retreat from what is the current reality. If I took somebody from 1 AD and dropped them into 2013, they're going to retreat from civilization. There's just, they have no baseline or they're going to have to learn and learn and learn and spend 20 something years in school with tutors to come up with, to, to grasp the science. Yeah. Well, Paul, if you're going to have a society which has immortals in it as a, as a majority, you're also going to have to include voluntary, um, suicide because that's the only out that you have oh and you would have people take advantage of that there'd be people like look i can't take this anymore please i need to go um you know because after i have this i have this theory that that uh that, that some people become okay when it comes time to die because they're they're quite literally just tired of living it's just kind of like because you know you do the same thing over and over and over again after a while it gets boring. Like you wouldn't want to watch the same movie over and over again. And and as, if you look at your life, you you've moved on to different phases in your life, and you've done, you know, for the most part, you've done that voluntarily because you just don't feel like doing that anymore. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the stuff I was doing in my twenties, I really don't have much of an interest in doing anymore. I mean, like if if you stuck me in that situation now, I'd be like bored. I'd be just like I, I just want to go home. And it's not because it's not just because I'm older and I'm tired or whatever. It's because I've done that and done it and done it, and I am just done with that. But by the time you hit, you know, according, you know, if you could live forever, by the time you hit about three hundred, you'd be like, look, there isn't anything left on this planet that I want to do that 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 I can do. I'm pretty much ready to check out. But what if you could just simply just wipe those experiences from your mind so you can do them all over again? Well, if you could, but but that's a whole different technology. I'm just saying that 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 you know all things equal that's that's something i could see being an issue well i know in my own life peter uh with the exception of the past eight, 17 years because i had a son every seven years of my life it, it has radically changed well, you know there's a rule i think there's some kind of rule to that because i've heard that before and, and i've looked back at my life and i feel the same way right so i would expect that to continue uh, even, you know, and if after a couple hundred years with me still in a young, healthy body, I finally got tired of life, well, then so be it. It's time, it's time to go. Oh, sure, sure. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's exactly what I was saying, that the, that I really do. I do foresee them. Be, there being people that just be like, no, nah, I'm just ready to check out. I'd be like, why? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I'm just done. But my experience is the older I get, the more things I want to do. And yeah. if I keep, you know, if, if, uh, if, I, if I live forever, I'll never get done. Right. Matter of fact, your list, your list will just keep exploding. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So there's going to be, and that's where I talk about the creative people versus the consumers. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that, you know, how, I mean, how many times can you watch, you know, the, your favorite football team lose the Super Bowl? 
but back to what you were saying, Peter, uh, I think that what you would, I agree with you. I think that what you would see is a increasing reservoir of very, very skilled people that were still energetic and capable of producing even better than they could before because they'd have the energy, they'd have the drive, um, they'd be, you know, they, they'd be able, they, they have bodies that would be able to work long hours and keep at things until they got it done. And also they would have the hope that they could achieve the things that they want to do. When you find out that, oh yeah, well we could do this, okay, let's talk about the, the human genome. When they started saying it's going to take 150 years to map the human genome, well, there's a lot of uh, geneticists and uh, microbiologists who were like, well, gee, that sounds like I picked a really good career path. Uh, but now when you find out that they, when they did it in like uh, less than 10 years because of uh, uh, being able to uh, hook all these computers together, now all of a sudden those people are going, wow, there's so much stuff I can do now that I never could do before. So I just, you know, I see the, the longevity as, as something that opens up all kinds of avenues that you wouldn't have had before just because you now have time to do it. Hey, you know what would be even – well, it would even expounds upon that even beyond that is that you have you have people changing careers. I mean like big-time careers. Like you could have a uh, an engineer who's, who's been an engineer for 40 years and then he decides, you know what? I think I want to be a doctor now. So he goes back to school, becomes a doctor and then goes off and becomes a medical doc. You know, he's a medical doctor working in an emergency room whatever and he still has all his engineering knowledge. So while he's in the, you know, he, he's he's doing surgeries and stuff, he's like, I think I'm going to invent a machine that will do this better. And he can. He doesn't have to go talk to anybody. He sits down at his table and starts designing it. It's funny. It kind of reminds me of the Farscape character uh, Utu Narenti Pralatong, the old three-eyed woman in season four, where she was 273 years old. She was a cook. She was a healer. She was a negotiator. You know, she did, she had like five or six different occupations because she had lived over two centuries. So yeah, you would be able to amass all this, this knowledge and this skill and this experience, and then change to something else, and you can apply your past stuff to the current situation, like Blix just said. With you know, I want to invent this machine that will help my career now because I have the two separate, different fields to draw upon, and I can fuse them to make something new that would help out. So yeah, the the I, I like that about being able to retain that knowledge to further humanity. The fact that you have these people that can, you know, live one, two, three, four, five, six hundred years and go through all this, the the society will grow exponentially because they can just apply all this experience to make all this new stuff. Because they'll know the stuff from the past and know what didn't work. Well the future is very bright. There's some amazing things that if you're playing a fringeworthy campaign and you want to bring a big closer to your campaign or really radically change the world in which your explorers exist, or even uh, your Bureau 13 game, your Hardwire Hinterland game, or any of the other fine TriTech products that you might use, here's some really amazing transformative uh, MacGuffins or ideas or technologies that you can bring into your game to really make a difference to your game and bring it, make it fresh again. Make it at least something that isn't the same thing you've been doing the, for the last 
uh, six months or uh, 600 sessions in the case of the people who really play long fringe-worthy campaigns. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we'd love to hear your ideas of the greatest possible guffins, so please post that to our Facebook groups or to, uh, to our own uh, podcast site. And uh, while you're uh, over there at iTunes uh, downloading your, the latest copy of, uh, of the upcoming uh, uh, Christmas episode, the one you're listening to right now, please leave us a great, give us a Christmas present and give us a uh, hopefully great review of our show and let everyone know that it's out there and it's something worth listening to. And we're going to try to do our best to give you even more exciting and uh, interesting, thought-provoking ideas to talk about on your gaming group. But you're going to have to wait till next week. So until then. Okay, Carol, now you take these notes and then we're about ready to begin. Okay, sure. Well... What are you two doing here? We don't record until tomorrow. We're making a new promo for All Games Considered, since you were dragging your feet getting one written. Hey, she's right, though. It's been too long, and a lot has happened since the last promo. Yeah, like winning the gold any for Best Gaming Podcast for 2009. You mean the one you try to work into the conversation every other episode? Hey, now, now, there's more than that. There's the new format. You mean the main show every two weeks and the assortment of other features in the meantime? Right, like games you may never have heard of, the review and new shows. Don't forget the RPG buffet. And on the main show, we have more time to focus on gaming topics. Like board and card games. And RPGs. And the people who play them, from the old school to the newest of the new. But, but no, no changeling. changeling. Hey! Find out more at agcpodcast.info. All games considered, because there's more than one true way to play. Pandemic reads like the love child of Michael Crichton and David Cronenberg. Best-selling author James S.A. Corey. On January 21st, author Scott Sigler brings you the novel Pandemic, the final installment of the groundbreaking Infected trilogy. Sigler is masterful at grabbing the reader by the throat and refusing to let go. Best-selling author Lincoln Child. Pandemic combines horror and hard science in a blistering, body-morphing tale of global collapse. Part Stephen King, part Chuck Palahniuk. Best-selling author James Rollins. Visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic to see the disturbing video trailer and to get info on the Pandemic book tour running January 18th to the 27th. Pandemic seriously rocks the action while delving deep into character. Highly recommended. Best-selling author Jonathan Mayberry. Pandemic. Available in all bookstores on Amazon.com and at scottsigler.com slash pandemic. Hey you guys, it's Brian from the Mythwits and I have some awesome news for you guys. We're having our first special for one night, we're going to throw away the D20s and the capes, and we're going to bust out the Pocky and Top Ramen for our very first anime special. You can catch our special at MythWits.com at 8.30 p.m. Central, February 10th, for our very first anime special. And in celebration for the special, I got some really awesome guests and good friends of mine, ADR director Tyler Walker and voice actress Heather Walker from Funimation joining us on this awesome Monday night special. If you have any questions for Tyler and Heather, please let us know in the Facebook page for The Mythwits or on our Twitter or any of our social sites. And for more information on the event coming up, just head on over to MythWits.com. It'll have all the links to our Facebook pages, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz that the kids are using these days, and we'll see you February 10th at 8.30 p.m. Central.
This was the Toy Tag Games Podcast. This podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. Have a Merry Christmas!